Let's pray as we continue our worship, as we dive into God's Word this morning. If you'll bow with me. Father, that is our simple prayer this morning. Show us Christ. We are weak. We are needy. And right now we humble ourselves before you, Jesus, our great and awesome Savior. And we pray that through your word this morning you would show us more of yourself and you would lead us in the path everlasting. Quiet our hearts now. May we be able to focus on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The most significant moment of my life happened on my bathroom floor one night at my house on my knees in tears. I was overwhelmed by my helplessness, my sin, my guilt. And I was also overwhelmed by the mercy, love, and all-sufficiency of Jesus Christ. That was the most significant moment of my life. That was the night I became a Christian. And a lot has happened in my life since then, getting through high school, going to college, marriage to my lovely wife, moving to Texas from Alabama, beginning a life of full-time ministry, seminary, having God give my wife and I one son, then another son, then a third son, and they're all under four, so please pray for my wife. Um, But we are truly blessed. And now this season, for me and my wife, as I'm sure for most, if not all of you and, and your families, has been a crazy one. My family and I have moved across the country again from Texas back to Alabama to follow the Lord's leading us here to Meadowbrook for me to be the student pastor during the middle of a global pandemic. It's been an exciting time. It's been a time of big transition. But if I'm being honest with you this morning, it's also been a time of a lot of stress. Now, just like that night on my bathroom floor today, I still know even more deeply my own sin and helplessness and weakness. And I know even more deeply the power and love of my Savior, Jesus Christ. But even though I know and believe these amazing truths about Jesus in my head, sometimes, if I'm being honest, it is a struggle to let these truths rule my heart. Even though I have the word minister in my job title, and you think my soul would be at perpetual tranquility, and I would just be the picture of grace and love to my wife and kids and neighbors. If I'm being honest, it can be a struggle at times for me to get my heart to remember that Jesus is enough. Meaning I know I, and I believe I'm saved in Jesus alone, but I act sometimes like I need Jesus plus stable circumstances to really be content. I know Jesus is enough, but I act like I need Jesus plus the respect 
and admiration of my peers to really be satisfied. I act like I need Jesus plus a bigger monthly budget to really feel secure. And my problem, again, it's not ignorance, it's belief. I believe the gospel in my head, but I sometimes struggle to believe it with all my heart and let it direct my attitudes and actions. We need help to believe in our heart and not just in our heads that Jesus is enough. We want every part of our heart ruled by the life-giving, chain-breaking truth that Jesus, the all-satisfying, all-sufficient Savior, is enough. We need help for getting past just in our heads, agreeing that Jesus is enough, believing the gospel intellectually, but our hearts, attitudes, and actions drifting into the lie. Yes, I I, I know I need Jesus, but I feel like I also need Jesus plus something else to really be content and happy. Martin Luther puts it plainly. The gospel cannot be beaten into our ears enough or too much. Yes, though we learn it and understand it well, yet there is no one who takes hold of it perfectly or believes it with all his heart. So frail a thing is our flesh and disobedient to the Spirit. He says we might know it here, but often it's hard for us to really embrace it and remember how good the good news really is in here. Because we all get out of whack. We, we all get off track. We, we're all still so weak and sinful. God has offered us a cup of refreshing eternal life in the good news of the gospel. And yet many of us go through life still trying to build these broken cups, these broken cisterns that can hold no water. We try to fill them up and it, it doesn't work. We need to remember that Jesus is enough. And thankfully, the Bible, God's Word, is incredible because it shows us this struggle is nothing new. In fact, even some of the most legendary Christians have struggled with this and God's Word offers us help to remember Jesus is enough for life and everything. We're going to look at Galatians chapter 2, verses 11-21 through 21 today. If there was a Netflix series about the early church, this event that we're going to look at today would be one of the most dramatic and intense episodes in that series. We're going to see there's a lot at stake in remembering that Jesus is enough. You'll stand with me, if you're able, in honor of God's Word as we read it together this morning. Galatians 2, verses 11 through 21. It says this. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, that being Paul, the writer of Galatians, because Peter stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came... He drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? 
We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person is justified by, not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. The very words of God, and may God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Let's explore what's going on in this passage. This passage describes what is known in church history as the Antiochian affair. Paul writes this letter, Galatians, inspired by God to the church at Galatia, and is pleading with them not to turn away from the truth of the gospel. What is the gospel? To sum it up this morning, the good news of the gospel is Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That is, in essence, the good news of the gospel. Look at Galatians 2.16. A person is justified, meaning declared righteous, declared innocent instead of guilty through running to Jesus Christ in faith. The one Jesus who lived the sinless life we could never put forth in obedience to God. He lived that life in our place and then he died the sacrificial death on a cross that each of us deserved to die for our sin. And not only that, he rose again to new life through the power of his resurrection and he is the only way to eternal life and we throw ourselves on him in faith and that alone is what makes us Christians. Not any other qualification. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That is the good news of God that Paul wants the Galatians to hold to. Jesus is enough. Jesus alone is enough to get us right with God and give us a secure eternal hope. Jesus is enough. And Paul goes as far to say in Romans 8, if God is for us in Christ, who can be against us? We all have all we could ever need and infinitely more in Jesus Christ. But there's a problem in the church in Galatia. There are Jewish people coming in who are saying, yes, you need to believe in Jesus, but... If you really want to be a Christian, that's not enough. You need to be circumcised. You need to obey these Jewish customs in order to really be in. And this group called Judaizers or the circumcision party or men from Paul in this passage or men from James in this passage, 
They were putting social pressure on Galatians and others to embrace that they needed Jesus plus the Jewish tradition. And this morning, the same temptation is alive and well in our day. And just in different forms. I mean, just check your social media feeds. Many people today say, either by words or actions, you need Jesus plus something else. You need Jesus plus a certain political viewpoint. You need Jesus plus a certain tradition. You need Jesus plus a particular conviction about mass to really be a true Christian in our day. So the message of the Bible, the message of Galatians is really so relevant today because today there's a lot of talk about what our country needs. There's a lot of talk even about what the church needs. But, brothers and sisters, I don't believe there's enough talk about the gospel. There's not enough talk about the cross of Jesus Christ, which is the heart of the gospel. Only at the foot of the cross will sinful people, which we all are, finally lay down our rebellious pride and be humbled by the reality that we are so desperately sinful, God would have to go as far as send His own Son, Jesus Christ, to be sacrificed and slaughtered in cold blood to purchase the pardon that we need before His infinite holiness. And only the cross of Christ will transform the hearts of people by the reality that they are so loved by God that He would provide for their forgiveness by sending His Son to pay the ransom price they could never pay that could set them free. And He paid it not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. This is the heart of the gospel, the cross of Jesus Christ. This is where Jesus shows us His amazing love for us. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, this message is what is of first importance. He goes on in Romans 1.16, he says, this alone is the power of God for salvation for all who would believe. This is what the world needs more than anything else. We may, may we rightly prioritize it May we rightly prioritize it when we talk about what we need and what the world around us needs. This is Paul's concern for the Galatians in this passage. People were coming in and they were putting this Jewish tradition on the same level of importance as the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, the Jewish tradition is not bad in and of itself. It has its place. Same with the issues of our day. Same with traditions and political viewpoints. But when it comes to what matters most, when it comes to salvation, when it comes to being right with God, when it comes to what is a first and lasting importance, we need to remember and make clear Jesus alone is enough. But even the best of us are easily distracted and can be led astray. We see in our passage the Apostle Peter 
who was a Jew and had followed Jewish customs his whole life, became the leading disciple of Jesus, and he knew the all-sufficiency of Jesus. Peter knew that Jesus lived and died and rose for the salvation of not just Jewish people, but Jesus gave his life to purchase a people from every tribe and every nation. And Peter knew that now people didn't need to follow the Jewish food laws or ceremonial laws to be saved. They just needed to trust in Jesus. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation for all who would believe. Peter knew that. And believed that and embraced that until his belief was tested. When his belief was tested, we see here three things that happen that Paul calls in Galatians 2.14, these things are out of step with the truth of the Gospel. What are the three things we see from Peter that are out of step with the truth of the Gospel? Number one, we see... Fear. Verse 12, it says that Peter was fearing the circumcision party. He was filled with a fear of people and negative circumstances. He was worried about this social pressure. And maybe he was worried that they, these Judaizers would be hostile toward him and accuse him. Maybe they would see to it that his leadership was taken away in the Jerusalem church. And whatever it was that sparked his fear, no matter how big it seemed, it led him to be out of step with the truth of the Gospel. That's the first thing, fear. The second thing, hypocrisy. He said one thing and did one thing around one group of people, but then when another group of people showed up, he did and said something different. That's hypocrisy. Paul says in Galatians 2.12 that before these Judaizers, before the circumcision party, men from James came, Peter was eating with Gentiles. Peter was enjoying his freedom in Christ alone. What a beautiful thing. Jews and Gentiles, once enemies, now friends through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's all good until these Judaizers show up and then Peter draws back and doesn't eat with the Gentiles in hypocrisy. That is out of step with the gospel. Number three, legalism. We see fear in Peter, we see hypocrisy, and we also see Legalism. Even if earlier his words told the Gentiles and others Jesus is enough, we all know that actions speak louder than words. And his actions, when he drew back from eating with the Gentiles, his actions said, you really need Jesus plus some Jewish customs to really be a Christian. And this was implying that these customs were required for salvation after Christ had already fulfilled them. This was rebuilding the idea that law-keeping, rule-following, behavior modification is the way to be saved. That is a form of self-salvation and it is a denial of the life-giving truth, Jesus is enough. Jesus alone saves. And Paul goes on to remind the Galatians of just that in Galatians 2, 16-21. If legalism, rule-following, Paul says in Galatians 2, 21, if that's what gets us into being Christians, then Christ died for no purpose. Legalism is out of step with the gospel. These three things we see in Peter, fear, hypocrisy, and legalism, are out of step with the truth of the gospel. And these three things are examples of the fruit of what happens in our lives when we forget that Jesus is enough. That's the root issue here for Peter. 
Peter knew the right answers, but his heart drifted into the lie and he thought he needed Jesus plus the approval of these Judaizers. Instead of remembering that Jesus is enough, Peter bought into the lie and was probably thinking something in his heart like, ah, I, I, know, I know I have Jesus, uh, but I don't know if he's going to come through for me here. I really need these guys to like me. I really need the approval of these guys, so I've got to take control. And that's the bad root, that internal struggling of belief that leads to the bad fruit in his life externally of the legalism, fear, and hypocrisy. The same is true for us. Our root issue is we start to doubt the amazing truth that Jesus is enough for us. And that leads us into things like fear, legalism, hypocrisy. How can we remember that Jesus is enough this afternoon? How can we remember that Jesus is enough on Wednesday morning? How can we remember that Jesus is enough when our kids are disobedient or when we had this huge deadline at school or at work or when the whole world seems like it's falling apart? How can we remember and embrace in our hearts and not just our heads that Jesus is enough? Here's what I see from Paul here that I believe can help us this morning. We need to put a gospel filter over our hearts and our minds. What do I mean by gospel filter? Well, we know we need to drink water every day to survive. But if we drank unfiltered water from a stagnant pond, we would start to get very sick. And it would lead to all kinds of bad things in our lives. We know we need clean, filtered water to survive. And our mind and heart is like our body. Every day we are taking in new information, new circumstances. And we need to filter all those things coming in our mind and heart through the truth of the gospel. That Jesus is enough. Even if I don't have comfort, even if I don't have obedient children, even if I, the world seems like it is going to fall apart. I have Jesus. And that is enough. He's in control. He's working in whatever situation. And He's enough for the people around me. We need to let that be the filter we put over our minds and over our hearts. I believe Galatians 2.20 is Paul's gospel filter. So he doesn't drift himself into things like legalism, fear, or hypocrisy. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, one of my favorite verses, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the one who loved me and gave himself for me. That's Paul's gospel filter. And we need to put a gospel filter like that over our hearts and over our minds. Letting that be our heart's cry when we're tempted to drift into something else this week and think, I need Jesus plus fill in the blank to really be secure. We need to filter 
the amazing truth. He loved me and He gave Himself for me. I'm not my own anymore. I've been bought with a price and I am secure in my Savior's love no matter what. We ultimately don't need the approval of man. We don't need comfort. We don't need security in the things of this world. We just need to remember how will He who did not spare His own Son but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? When I became a Christian... On my bathroom floor as a teenager, I was at the end of myself. I knew there was no hope for me if it was up for me, if it was up to me, and there's no hope in anything else. And at that place, at the end of myself, that's where God met me with the unfailing love of Jesus. And it was the most beautiful, freeing thing. But now, today, I can so quickly drift in my heart. We can so quickly drift in our hearts and think, oh, it's, it's up to me now. I've got to figure this out. I've got to do better. I've got to manipulate this situation. Because, you know, I, I've got Jesus and I need Him, but I really need Jesus plus something else right now to be satisfied. We need to put that gospel filter over our hearts and say no to that lie. Because it comes from you know where. And we need to remember the gospel that Jesus alone is enough. And remember, just like I first learned that night on my bathroom floor, just like you learned if you're a Christian this morning, you knew when you first believed, I have all I could ever want or need in Him, in my Savior. He's enough. Jesus alone saves. Jesus alone satisfies. This week, let's look to Jesus and remember that He's enough. Imagine the difference that would make in our hearts, in our lives, as we rest in the joy of our Savior. Let's pray. Father, I just thank You for Your Word that encourages weak sinners like myself who we often drift, like Peter. We're ruled in our hearts instead of the light, instead of by the life-giving truth of Jesus Christ, our amazing Savior. We're ruled by things like fear of man or other things. And Lord, may your truth, may your gospel break through our, our cold hearts. May you rule more of our hearts today and going into this week. I pray this morning if someone has never trusted you, Jesus, that right now that they would see the glory of Jesus Christ, the amazing good news of all that He is for us in His life and death and resurrection. I pray if someone has not truly trusted you this morning, that right now, today, would be the day of salvation for them and they would trust in you. And for us who have already believed, may we remember the joy of our salvation and may we rest in Jesus alone. And may that shine light as we rest in that as we go into this week. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.